Welcome to 66 Lessons for Life, the weekly radio program recorded live at the Naples Conference Center in Naples, Florida. Taught by our teacher, John Garepa, an attorney who guides us in the way of wisdom with a biblical worldview. You're invited to join us for the study. We are now going to do part two of the faith discussion that really comes out of the resurrection of Lazarus when Jesus says to Mary and Martha, believing is seeing. Because Martha said to Jesus then, yes, I know you're the Son of God, but don't take this stone away. It's four days. His body is decomposed. Don't take the stone away. And Jesus said, believing is saying. So as we, we started this last week, and I intend to complete it today, how can we get the faith that Jesus had? How can we get that kind of faith, even the kind of faith that we see the disciples exhibiting after Jesus ascended? How can we get that? And, and so there's several passages that speak to our hearts on this, and I want to really focus in on it. Fundamentally, faith is a gift. I want to reiterate this. There's nothing that we can do to look at ourselves and say, yes, I am a mighty man of faith. Oh, yes, I have such great faith. I have such great character. When you do that, you are demeaning the gift of God. God has given you faith. Your faith is a gift from God. And we're going to talk about that, and I'll back that up. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. With the measure of faith God has given you. There it is. There it is. Your faith has been given to you by God. And so that requires sound judgment and the sobriety to understand that, that God has given us that. Um, and so Paul is telling us, don't think so highly of yourself because you're exhibiting faith. That's God's gift to you. Uh, and, and even in the fact that you came to salvation, you came to salvation because once you recognize the depraved nature of who you were, God gave you the faith to accept him. That's exactly how it is. So there's no part of this formula of you coming to God that relates to yourself or to your works. None of it. He dispensed the very element of faith that allowed you to lift your arms up and say, Lord, I need a Savior. And you see this in so many ways. And so God is, Paul is telling us that it is the grace of God, the very grace of God in our lives that not only gives us all of the spiritual gifts that you have, but gives you the gift of faith, the very first gift, the gift of faith. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, underline that. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. There it is. All right? You heard it again. As I said, every time I make a statement, if I don't support it with Scripture, uh, then woe is unto me, really. Uh, clearly, you can see that faith is a gift, and our salvation comes not by our works, not by our morality, not by anything that we've done, but because of God's love 
and grace in our lives. And so the last bastion of pride is the belief that we are the originators of our faith. Don't go there. You're not the originator of your faith. You're not the originator of your faith. And the fact that you've lived as long as you have and are still uh, a Christian and recognizing what God has done in your life is because God gave you that seed of faith. And you have studied and you've worshipped and you've grown in your walk. But the very essence of the faith came from him. Now, Paul himself knew that, uh, that the grace of God was the ultimate source of faith in his life. And so if someone who is as accomplished as Paul is recognizes that, how much more for us? Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 13, even though I was once, uh, actually let's, let's start with 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance <coughs> And unbelief, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. How do you like that? All right? I'm a blasphemer. Not only was I a blasphemer, I was a violent man. I was a violent man. Well, Paul, you were a religious man. You were a Pharisee. You studied with Gamaliel. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I had all of the elements of supposed religiosity, yet my heart was not changed. And so you see this. He recognizes himself that despite all the gifts, that the very nature of the faith that God showed in him uh, was the grace of Jesus Christ, who gave it to him uh, regardless of his past. And that's the thing that I want to emphasize to you. All right, You look at Paul, and I know what we all say, Paul, you really... One of the guys I can't wait to talk to when I get to heaven. I can't wait to see him. I want to see this guy who is the greatest uh, human being in the history of Western civilization. Arguably, even, even secularists will say that about Paul. You think about who has had a greater impact as a man. Obviously, Jesus stands alone, but Jesus is man and God. But just as a human being, who has had a greater impact on Western civilization than Paul? I submit to you. No one, uh, in terms of his writings and the impact of the Christian church. And you know that two-thirds of the New Testament is written by Paul, two-thirds. Uh, and here he is spreading the religion, spreading the faith uh, throughout the known world, and how today we still study his words. And here he is telling you, I was a blasphemer and a violent man. And so you understand the impact of faith. Turn to... to uh, uh, Philippians 1, chapter 1, verse 29. Let's look at verse 28. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. That is the essence of faith, because you are going to struggle, because you are going to suffer, 
Because you're going to go through the vicissitudes of life. Look, God doesn't promise you a rose garden. You know this world is going to be hard. We're going to go through health difficulties. We're going to go through relationship difficulties. Nothing is going to be simple. Just because you're a Christian, don't think that there's going to be an umbrella over your head. The rain is going to fall on the just and the unjust. That's the nature of this world. But you have been given grace and faith. And it is that very nature, grace and faith, that ultimately is going to protect you. Uh, and, and we'll have an incredible example to this world. Turn also to Second Thessalonians, uh, a few pages further back, the back of the Bible. Second Thessalonians, chapter 1. And here he is, speaking to the church there. Paul, verse 3. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love every one of you has for each one is increasing. There you go. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. So there it is. God gives you the seed of faith. And now you study the word, you worship, and you persevere. And that seed grows and grows and grows, and that's the nature of what God wants for us. That's exactly how God wants us to grow, and how God wants us to impact the world. And so you see this. And so I want you to see and get a sense now of how Jesus looked at this element of faith as it related to his disciples. Turn to Luke chapter 22, because this is important. How did Jesus react to this? Luke 22. Verse 31, famous passage. And here it is. Jesus, I'll set it up for you. Jesus is now, has now told Peter that you will deny me. Not only will you deny me, you're going to deny me three times. Um, and, of course, Peter goes, that will never happen. That will never happen. And so I want you to read exactly what Jesus said he prayed for here. Verse 31, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. By the way, Notice that. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, meaning Satan asked permission to go through the hedge that was around Peter. Interesting, isn't it? Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Now look at the prayer that Jesus said. That Jesus said, I have prayed that Satan will be stopped. I have prayed that Satan will go away. I have prayed that Satan will be destroyed. I have prayed that you will not be tempted. No. No. This is an important lesson. He didn't say that. What did he say? I have prayed that your faith will not fail. It's as if you're in the gymnasium and you're lifting weights. And your weight, as you do this, you're exercising and developing your strength. And Jesus says to you, I pray that you will not lose your faith, that it will not fail you, that you will see that the grace that God poured into your life, that kernel of faith is everything that you need to continue to grow and protect you in every way. Wow, wow, is that a profound set of verses as you see that. And you understand why it's so important there. Uh, because, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. 
What's the import of that? Here's the import. The import of that is that the world is going to look at you. They're going to look at your suffering. They're going to look at your difficulties. They're going to look at your persecution. Don't think you're living in a bubble and nobody's going to see you. All right? They're watching you. They know you go to church. They see you go early Sunday morning. You don't come back until late in the afternoon, some of you. The world knows that. And yet... They know you're going through hard times. So what's the natural reaction uh, of pagans? Ah, losers. Look at that. They go to church. They do all that thing. And still they get sick. They get sick. You know? Like, yeah, right. Uh, you dope. What do you think we're living in? Of course we get sick. All right? Of course we get sick. We understand that. But you understand we react differently. We don't fall apart. We don't despair. We, we, we don't give it up because we know that God is with us. And it's that faith that God and Jesus are praying for us. It's that element of faith. So that, so that that is the aspect of what we need to focus on. That we will strengthen our brothers. Because after you have been tempted, and even after you may have fallen... That it is your faith that will be with you that will help you to get back up again through the grace of Jesus Christ. And that is going to be strengthening to other people. Really. All I can tell you is I've never been so uh, lifted up in my faith as I've seen godly people die. Really. Honestly. I've seen godly people die who have ministered to me in a much more powerful way than any sermon from any pulpit. Honestly. Most simple people. Yet I've seen the element of faith in their life where they've accepted what God has uh, deemed appropriate for them. Uh, and they've gone through life and now are teaching other people how to live and how to die. How to live and how to die. Understanding that, that's an important one. And so God is the one who sustains faith. He gave you the faith and he is sustaining your faith as your faith is growing in every way. Now, Another important passage, as you understand how God reacts to your faith and why faith is a critical issue. And you don't hear this preached in church too much, but we have to understand the importance of faith. It's a bedrock foundational principle of, of our religion. Turn to uh, Mark chapter 9. Let's start with verse 27. Actually, no, let's start with verse 17. All right? And this is an example where where Jesus is going to come upon a man uh, whose son is, is possessed, uh, and the disciples have tried have tried to uh, exercise the demons, and they failed. They couldn't do it. And so we're going to see how Jesus has this discussion with the man. Verse 17, A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Let's stop right there. The disciples tried, and they failed. All right? They tried, and they failed. So, verse 19. This is Jesus. Oh, unbelieving generation. Oh, Jesus. Lord, give me a break. We're only human beings, but you understand, you see how important this is for God. Oh, unbelieving generation. Why? He's speaking to the disciples. You guys who I called you. You guys who I gave the authority to be my representative. 
Were you exhibiting the kind of faith in God that demonstrated you believed? You believed when you said, cast out? Or were you doing a prayer that John Garippa prays? Lord, I know you can do it. You're probably not going to do it now. You're probably not going to do it now. It's a big one, you know. And I have a feeling that John Garippa is not the only one making that. You know, it's a big one. This is big. This is big. Yeah, I know. I know you can do it. I know you're just not going to do it. You know, and that's exactly probably what the disciples did, even when they're casting out the demons. And what happens? That's inconsequential. God doesn't answer that. And so what I've learned, because this has really spoken to my heart, this whole thing of believing is saying, here's how I believe we have to pray. We pray, we have to say, Lord, I believe you heard me. You love me. I'm your child. I'm making this prayer. You have heard me. And you're going to answer me. Now, Lord, help me to understand your answer. You get the difference? Help me to understand your answer. Because your answer might be no. No. Or it might be not yet. And I need to understand it, Lord. I need to have my will comport with your will. Unless you want to be like Hezekiah. God, give me 15 more years. 15 and I, this is it. I won't ask again. You want the 15? You want, you got it. Disaster. Not only for you, your family, the whole uh, country of, of Israel. You see that. No, you don't want that. And so this is the point of saying when we pray to have faith that he hears. And I believe that now. I can't say that I believed that a couple years ago, but I believe it now. And this is not name it is claiming it. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying name it and claiming it. But what I'm saying is believing that he hears your prayer. He hears it. He's not deaf. He loves you. Now he's going to answer it. Now you've got to comport yourself. And so continuing here in this great passage as we study this. And so Jesus asked the boy's father, verse 21, how long has he been like this? Interesting question, by the way, as if Jesus didn't know the answer. From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. By the way, this wasn't just a regular medical epileptic seizure. All right. This, this thing was throwing him into water and into fire. Uh, to destroy him. This, this obviously was evil. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Underline that, please. But if you can do anything, Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity. Now, I love how Jesus answered. If you can, you don't often see Jesus saying something like that, you know? It's like a whole different, whole different aspect of Jesus. Whoa, Jesus. If you can, you know who you're talking to? the son of God. I'm fully God. Yes, I, I'm appearing in, in, in flesh and blood, but I'm God. If you can, Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Oh, underline this verse. Everything is possible for him who believes, meaning that the will of God, fully recognizable in every way in your life, is appropriate when you fully believe and submit to God. Can I get an amen? amen? This resonates mightily with me in every single aspect of your life and prayer. Honestly, as I've been praying for this situation 
with Tammy Rawson. I have come to recognize this, really, because you look at a situation and you go, this is awful, this is hopeless, and yet as I prayed for God's intervention, I have come to believe that God is going to elevate this entire family. This family is going to be an example to the power of God to a community of non-believers. I believe this. God has spoken to my heart about it. I believe it, and because I believe it, I know God is listening to our corporate prayers here. And so everything is possible for him who believes, Jesus said. Immediately the boy's father explained that this is where we are. This is us. I do believe Jesus. I believe it. Help me overcome my unbelief. Isn't that us? I believe you, Lord. Yes, I know you're going to answer. Help my unbelief. How, how great is this passage? Because it shows me everything, everything that God looks at us and how he loves us. And yet Jesus said, can you? Can you? And yet, here he is saying, I do believe you can, Lord. Help my unbelief. And that's the prayer. Honestly, that's a great prayer for us. Even as you pray, Lord, help me. Help to grow my faith. Help me to have an understanding of who you are. Help me to know that you love me. Give me that re realization in my life. Help my unbelief. And when you make that prayer, God answers that prayer. He answers that. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit con shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Wow, Jesus. What a great example. What a great example of understanding of, of how God works, the element of faith. Look also now, if you would, to Luke 17. Jesus uh, saying here, so watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. Let's understand this. He's speaking to the disciples. Forgive. Forgive. If he's done something bad against you, forgive. If he's done it seven times in a day, forgive him all seven times. When he comes back and says, please forgive me, you forgive. And I like the answer of the apostles, which would be what I would say. Uh, in verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Why? Because we can't do this. Who is going to be able to forgive somebody seven times in a day for being mean-spirited, angry, unforgiving towards you, and God just says, forgive them? And what's the answer of the apostles? Lord, increase our faith. You understand a recognition that in our humanity, without the faith, we can't do anything. So it's the element of faith through the grace of Jesus Christ that empowers the engine of your life. Uh, and you see this. You see the importance uh, of this uh, as it really resonates with, with me so powerfully. Uh, and and uh, you understand it. Turn to Matthew chapter thir uh, 13. A lot of verses today, I know, but I think you'll reflect on these and read them later. All of it coming together. I want you to remember what I'm speaking about today. The importance of faith. 
and how faith has been given to us by God. Matthew 13, verse 31. And Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field, though it is the smallest of all your seeds. Yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. There it is. God gives you the faith, and it starts off as small as a mustard seed. It's implanted in your life, but over a lifetime of following the Lord and reading the scriptures and praying and worshiping, that mustard seed grows into a tree. And it's that tree that the birds of the field can actually land in and, and stay in. And so look also at Luke chapter 12. Now, Jesus is talking to the disciples again about faith. And in your faith, recognizing that God loves you. And in your faith, recognizing that God will take care of you. And in your faith, not being obsessed about worry. Is that resonating with some of you? All right? Is it possible that there's a couple of people here that may be worrying about things? Possibly. Lord, I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about my finances. I'm worried about my children. You want me to keep going? You know, and we can put a very lengthy list here uh, that we're all worried about something. We're all worried about something. But look at how God says what God says here about the importance of faith in recognizing how God treats us and loves us. Look at verse 27. Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? There it is. We don't have the faith to know that God will take care of us. Look, we have a contract with God. We've given him our hearts. And he has taken us and holds us in his hands. We've talked about eternal security. You are secure forever. Do you think God now doesn't care about the issues of life? About taking care of your clothing or, or, or with the things that you need about your shelter? You look even at this poor woman who we see in front of us that we're trying to help. And you see the love of God for this lady. When somebody else would say, that's it, she's finished, she can't handle it. How can a grandmother adopt four children living in a trailer? Uh, or six people living in a trailer with no money. No, God doesn't care about everything. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Because it's God, through the Holy Spirit, that grabs our hearts and says to us, you are her family. There's the example. You see how the lilies are clothed? That's what God does. He brings people into your life who God has touched their hearts through the Holy Spirit. This is what faith is about. So you are not alone. You're not, you don't become obsessed about every issue in life. Don't be obsessed. Understand that through faith, Lord, you love me. You hear my prayer. You're answering my prayer even now as I articulate it. I know you are. I know you are. And, I'm, and give me the grace to understand Understand the answer, but most importantly, recognize, recognize that he hears you and he's answering you. Amen. It just may not be in the way you want or as quickly as you want, but all of that is involved in him developing your faith. Because it is your faith that is going to be nurtured, 
that is going to carry you through suffering and persecution and hard times. It is your faith that ultimately is going to be the billboard for Jesus Christ to a lost world. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? All right, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the words that we've heard today, Father. Lord, I ask you that these words nurture in our heart and grow in our heart and that we have a greater recognition of the importance of faith, Lord. And just like that poor man in Mark, Lord, I make the prayer, Lord, help my unbelief. Help my faith. Help me to understand that you care about me just like you care about the lilies. That you'll never forget me. That you'll never leave me alone. That you're with me every step of this life, Lord. And give me the grace to help my faith to grow greater and greater in order to serve you. Lord, bless our people. Protect them this week wherever they go. And bring them back safely next week to continue the study of your word. We put all of these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to 66 Lessons for Life, the men's Bible study taught by John Garippa and recorded live at the Naples Conference Center in Naples, Florida. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding so that you, the man of God, would be thoroughly equipped for every good work. For more information about the program or attending the Naples Men's Bible Study at the Naples Conference Center, go to our website at 66lessonsforlife.com.